Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am glad to have Kyle Davison Bear in the studio with me today. He's a pastor and author, and he's got a very fascinating book. I'm enjoying this. It's called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. And Kyle says that it's battle-forged and crisis-tested material. That got my attention. I'm going to first <laughs> welcome him to the show, and then I'm going to ask him Thank all you. about battle-forged and crisis-tested. Kyle, welcome. Thank you. So give me those distinctions. What does it mean? Yeah, battle forged means uh, every issue in this book comes from a real battle someone is facing. Nice. You know, as a pastor, I don't want to be writing about stuff that doesn't relate to anybody. It was just my own personal fascination. Now, this is all like stuff that real people in the congregation are dealing with, their battles, their struggles, their questions. That's what led to all the topics you'll find in the book. So that's yeah. battle forged. So a decade of pastoral counseling, you, you start to get... Um, a trend of, of topics that come up over yeah. and over and over. Indeed. And so if you wanted some quick help for many, many topics, we're going to talk about them today. Uh, Kyle's book would be awesome. It's called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life Challenges. All right, Kyle, let's start with something that I think is just so foundational, and that is I, I come into your office for counseling, and I'm going, oh, what is my meaning and purpose in life? I don't know if I have any. Yeah. Yeah, meaning and purpose is huge, and it's it's the first topic that comes up in the book just because of how many people in the church are struggling with this. Um, and the way that I begin, the first thing I tell people is you matter to God. Because, you know, we live in a world of billions of people. We often feel lost in a crowd. You can feel just drowned in the sea. You can feel alone and insignificant. But God sees you. You matter to him because he created you. You exist because God wants you to exist. I mean, you, look, you feel insignificant because you look around and you don't see your life impacting in any others, but look upward, look to God. He sees you. You are significant to him because he made you. He wants you to exist. And not just you as you know, a human, but you personally. God designed you personally, crafting you for the unique life you're living, making you the person that only you could be. God knows you and cherishes you. Doesn't just know all about you, even though he does. He cherishes you. He covets his time with you. He recorded every day of your life in his book before one of them came to be. He was celebrating your life even before you lived it. God created you with love. He rejoices over you. And the Bible talks about this in so many ways, but Ephesians 2.10 just hits it on the head. It says, we are God's masterpiece. Now, we often focus on that word masterpiece, um, and we dig into the Greek behind the word in a lot of church sermons you'll hear, but don't skip over whose masterpiece you are. You are God's masterpiece. So think about something you've created that you really enjoy, you know, whether it was a, a work of art or something you wrote or something really good you did at work or at school or even a social media post that got a lot of traction. Just imagine how you feel thinking back on that really good thing you made, how proud you are, how much that fills you with joy to think about that work you did that you are proud of. That's how God feels about you. 
So you want meaning in your life? You look to God and you see him beaming down with joy at you because you are his masterpiece. He looks at you and smiles because of his work reflected in you. Mm. So Kyle, you, you you can have a busy life with lots going on and still feel like you don't have meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not like people have wandered into your uh, counseling office thinking, I got nothing going on. Very busy, focused people yeah. with a lot going on can, can have a sense of, I don't have meaning and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can feel busy. You can feel like the things that you're doing don't matter. I heard a statistic recently where I think it was the majority of people at work have a regular feeling that the work they're doing on a daily basis doesn't really matter. And if they disappeared from their company or their organization, it really wouldn't make that big of a difference. That's a very common feeling for people who are busy in their life. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I say here is that you matter to the world. Uh, You live in this world, again, because of the purpose of God, because he created you to exist in this world, in your life, not to do meaningless work, not to just do busy work. But again, Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece And he created you anew in Christ Jesus so that for this purpose, for this purpose, so that you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. He has purposeful, meaningful things for you to do that he planned a long time ago, and he designed you perfectly to accomplish those things. Mm -hmm. My guest is pastor and author Kyle Davison Bear. And Kyle, when you say that we are God's masterpiece, we could pretty much end the interview right there. It's so good. Just to be reminded of that and let people marinate on that thought all hour. Mm -hmm. It it is just staggering to read the scriptures and take honestly what they say about how God thinks about you. You grasp that word masterpiece, the delight that God has when he looks at you because he made you and he made you well and he doesn't make junk. He makes beautiful masterworks. Mm-hmm. He looks at you with joy, with pride, with delight. He looks at you with meaning. I made this person and made them well. Okay, so I show up in your counseling office and I've got all these thoughts in my head that are the opposite of that. <laughs> where, do those, where do those thoughts come from? Anywhere and everywhere except him. Okay. Sometimes they come from us. Sometimes they come from the media we consume. Sometimes they come from the enemy. Sometimes they come from the company we keep. We're constantly taking in thoughts, especially with all these screens we can access every idea in the world. Our brains are constantly being filled with these thoughts, but we need to be going back to the scriptures and get grounded in the truth and let it wash over you and wash that junk out and just be reminded of who God says you are in his eyes. So important. Mm -hmm. So important. All right, Kyle, let's move on in your book, Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. Uh, There's a, a category called foundations. And in that, we discussed meaning and purpose, but also in the foundations category, is fighting for joy. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to say more about that. Yeah, fighting for joy. I love this topic because joy is one of those things we all want. It's one of the things we think we all should have in life, but it's one thing that so many people just don't experience on a daily basis. And so I titled this one Fighting for Joy because sometimes you do have to fight for it. There's effort in getting it, but you can. And this, you know, again, The whole idea behind this book is to give you one page per topic so that in two minutes you can really tackle this topic and get something that you can help, that you can work with right here. And so when people want joy, this is what I give them. Um, First, I tell them the fight for joy is good. It's, It's something you deserve. It's something you need to fight. 
For Christians, the joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10. Therefore, without joy, we are weak. Mm. It's not surprising then to find that so many forces in this world are stealing our joy away, are crippling it, are blocking it. Because if the church of God was full of the joy of the Lord, we'd be strong. We'd be making an incredible impact in the community. But if you go to a church and all the people are sad and depressed and the joy of the Lord is absent, that's a church that, that needs a fresh infusion of strength. Yeah. It's like when you invite someone to church and you really hope that, you know, you run into a lot of cheerful people. <laughs> People that are welcoming and kind and smiling and engaging mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the reality of life is that uh, there are, you know, sadness is real. Challenges are real. Feeling exhausted and overwhelmed is real. But in, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can fight for joy. And the first tip, I have three tips on this sheet. The first one just says, to find joy, look forward to the morning. And this comes from Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may last through the night but joy comes with the morning. I love that. Some seasons in life are going to be hard. It's just unavoidable. Sometimes in life, there will be hard times. And if you limit yourself to seeing only the difficulty, joy is going to be hard to find. But these seasons will not last. The night does not last. Morning comes. So to find joy, start looking for that morning. Know that morning is coming. Joy is coming. And in fact, for Christians, joy is our eternal destiny. Joy is always coming. If you're a Christian, you can have absolute confidence that when you get to heaven's shores and you see Jesus, joy will be your daily, moment-by-moment, continual experience. Joy is always coming. And this confident hope allows you to endure. Hardship will come, but it will not last. Joy will last. And Jesus proved that on the cross. He endured the hardest difficulty by looking through it. Hebrews 12.2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of her, our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he knew that hardship of suffering, that night of the cross was coming, but he looked through that night to the morning, saw the joy, and because of that joy, he could endure that night of the cross. Mm. Kyle, you know, I'm a big fan of happy talk. <laughs> We're getting a bunch of it right now. Oh, yes. The fact that we can face joy throughout all of eternity when we get to the shores of heaven and see Jesus. It's a nice image. Thank you for saying that. All right, Kyle, give me a number number between four and six. (laughs) Uh, How about five? Five. Five is the number of books that Kyle is going to give away uh, today. So all you have to do to get in on the drawing is to text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book. 877-933-2484. The book is called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Kyle Davison Bear. He spells his last name B-A-I-R, although it's like the bear. But, you know, we're getting there. Be right back. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Kyle Davison Bear is my guest. He's written a book called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. He's done a nice job of breaking the contents down into categories like foundations, Divine communication, relationships, strongholds. 
So if you are looking for a kind of a reference book as to how I can get information quickly about topics, uh, as it because uh, he says it's battle forged and crisis tested. So mm-hmm. these are real issues that people have, have approached him with, and he's heard about over decades of counseling and pastoring and authoring. So. Kyle, I know we were talking before the break about fighting for joy. I think you've got a few more things to talk about fighting for joy. Absolutely. One of the most important fights you'll ever engage in. Uh, Yeah, I gave tip number one just beforehand, to find joy, look forward to the morning. Tip two is to find joy, call the truth to mind. Say that again? Call the truth to mind. What does that mean? It means the fight for joy is a battle of truth, not emotion. Okay. Which is how a lot of people miss this. But joy is the natural response to believing the truth about God. Conversely, a lack of joy is the natural response to believing lies about God. Mm, Okay. In the midst of the saddest book of the Bible, Lamentations, uh, Jeremiah reminds himself about the truth about God, and this brings him joy out of everything he's going through. But this I call to mind. I call this to mind. I force myself to remember this, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. So in the midst of his lamentations, in the midst of his, the, the saddest days he's ever had, he calls the truth about God to mind, and therefore he has hope. Mm-hmm. The battle for joy is knowing the truth about God, calling the truth of God to your mind continually, and delighting in that truth. And the more accurately you see God, and the more truth, the more deeply you feel his love for you, the more joy you will find. It'll just be there. The more you believe the truth about God, the more that truth changes your life, the more joy you will continually be finding. Because the truth about God is really, really, really good stuff. It's the best. Kyle Davison Bear is my guest. He's written a book called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. And he was nice enough to bring over five copies. Beautiful book. You can use it as a reference if you open it up and say... How to Pray Your Emotions. That's an interesting topic. That's what we're going to talk about next. But if you want to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Just the word book. B-O-O-K. Nothing else. No emoticons or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. Emojis. Yes. No nothing. Just book. 877-933-2484. All right, Kyle, how do we pray our emotions? Well, at the risk of... uh Confusing the readers. Let me just go back for three seconds and give the last tip, the third tip on fighting for joy, because this one is important. Truth is a battle, or joy is a battle of truth, but joy is also uh, a battle of obedience. To stir up joy, choose to do the actions that God tells you to do. A joy flows from faithful obedience. So accomplish the purposes that God designed for you. Forgive those who have hurt you. Worship Jesus, just delight in him. Praise God and thank him for the good gifts that he's given you, for his love to you. Enjoy the beauty of his creation. Repent of personal sin. All of those actions stir up joy. They lead to more joy flowing into your life. And their opposites steal joy away from your life. You need more joy. Do the actions God's telling you to do. He tells you to do them for a reason. Mm, All right. Nicely said. Thank you for that list, too. I'd like to hear that again almost. (laughs) Yeah, it's... A lot of times we forget that the reason God tells us to do things, it, it's life-giving. He doesn't right. give us commands for no purpose. Like, these are the commands of the God who made life. He knows how life works. He tells you to do these things because they give you a better life. This is how life works. 
So if you need more joy in your life, again, forgive those who have hurt you. I guarantee you that anger you're feeling is stealing your joy away. Forgive Amen. those people. Get rid of that anger, and you'll get more joy. Worship Jesus. You need joy. Just take some time. Focus on Jesus. Praise him. Sing songs to him. Delight in him. You need more joy. Praise God for his good gifts. Thank him for everything he's already given you. Even if it's meager and it feels small, thank him for that. And that gratitude will bring joy with it. Thank him for his love, for just the fact that he knows you, he cherishes you. Again, you are his masterpiece. He looks at you and says, I did good work in that person. Mm. Praise him for that. Enjoy the beauty of creation. You know, Enjoy a sunset. Enjoy just the beauty of all the greenery outside. Even if there's a storm, just take in awe of the, the power of the storm and the weather. Enjoy his creation and then repent of sin. If there's sin in your life and you know there's sin in your life, get rid of it because I promise that is stealing away the joy of the Lord from mm-hmm. you. Do all those things and you will find more joy in your life. It's like John Owen said, uh, you kill sin or it will kill you. Amen. Yeah. All right. Can we move on to how to pray your emotions? Yes. Oh, I love this one. Uh, yeah, there's a whole ch- uh, section on divine communication, reading the Bible, praying, and uh, just praying in different aspects, and how to pray your emotions. I love teaching people this in the pastoral office because so often people are ashamed of their emotions, or they this kind of Zen idea creeps in where you have to push your emotions away to try to pray to God. And, and no, he gave you emotions for a reason. Emotions are one of God's greatest gifts to you. At times they might feel like enemies, but God gave all of them to you. There are no bad emotions, even though they're ones that feel negative. God gave them to you for many good reasons. And one of these reasons is to focus your prayer so that they can transform your life. Again, I have just five quick steps here on this page of how to pray your emotions. The first one is to tell God what you feel and be honest with God. I tell people a lot, um, If you want to see how even negative emotions can be helpful, think of the dashboard light of your car. You got good lights, you got bad lights. But if the oil light pops on or the tire pressure light pops on, those are bad lights, but you want them there. That's when you put duct tape over them. Yes. Well, you can do that too. Many people put duct tape over their anger, their anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. But if you pay attention to those bad lights, it just tells you there's a problem under the hood you need to go deal with. So if you pay attention to your anger, your anxiety, your stress, your fear, all these you know, so-called negative emotions, they're just pointing you to something under the hood you need to go deal with. Right. So tell those to God. Be honest with them. Tell them exactly how you're feeling. It's not like he doesn't know them anyway. Exactly. You're not surprising him. Hey, let's talk briefly about Psalm 88. <laughs> I mean, the fact that God left that psalm in the Psalter uh, yes. shows that he can take whatever emotion you have because mm-hmm. Heman is, is opening up all barrels. Oh, yes. Yeah. If you've never read Psalm 88, go back and read it. It's just, he unleashes on God everything he is feeling, the darkest emotions. He just tells it, God exactly what he is feeling. And it ends without hope. Yeah. You know, why would God leave that in there? Because God knows how we talk when we're desperate. Yes. And he is okay. His shoulders are big enough to take whatever you've got. They absolutely are. Yeah. So yeah, that's the first step. Just tell God what you feel. Be honest about what you're feeling with God. Even if you can't put a name to it, just tell him. Step two, try to figure out why you feel that way and tell that to God. Like if you're feeling uh, just overwhelmed, you can just tell God, you know, it feels like there are 15 different problems and they're all life ending and I don't know how to solve any of them and no one's helping me. I'm stressed. I need something, but I don't know what to do. Just lay that at God's feet. Again, you're not surprising him. Tell him. Um, 
Step three is ask God to help you right in the midst of all that, in the midst of everything you just unloaded and laid at his feet. Ask God to help you right in the middle of that. I mean, those emotions are there because they're pointing you to your problems, to the areas you need help. And guess what? Jesus said, I came for the sick. I came for those who need help. I didn't come for the healthy people who don't need help. I came for the sick. That's where I want to be. So you unload on God. You, you pour out your negative emotions. That's where Jesus wants to be. So right in the middle of that, just say, Father in heaven, I need your help. I'm so stressed out. I can't even think straight. I need your help, God. Just help me right here, right now, in the midst of all these things I can't figure out how to manage. Invite him right into the middle of what you're feeling. Step four, just find something about God that applies to the situation and then pray it back to him. It's incredibly powerful to pray God's own character and promises back to him. So you could say, like, Jesus, you say you will never leave me or forsake me. All right, well, I need that right now, God. So I am praying that to you. I'm claiming that, God. You say you're never going to leave me. That's what I need right now more than anything. I need the peace of knowing you're here. You're with me right in the middle of this. You haven't given up on me. That's what I need right now. And just pray that back to him. And then step five, and I love this one, ask God to teach you so you come out the other side stronger. So hard times aren't just about getting out of them. It's about benefiting through them. Hard times can make you stronger in the same way that a coach's hard workouts make athletes stronger. Now, you can go through a hard workout and just ignore it and slough it off and come out no stronger than you went in. But if you know this is a hard time and you lean into it and you benefit from it, you're going to grow and come out stronger. And you can do that too in your hard life situations. And the prayer can just be something like, God, I don't want to be going through all this, but I'm here anyway, so I may as well grow through it. Let's not waste this. If I'm here anyway, let's, let's get something out of it. So teach me. Help me learn endurance. Help me learn to trust you more, God. Help me learn to rely on you more. I don't want this situation to defeat me. I want to come out the other side stronger. So build that in me now, God. Mm-hmm. Kyle, we probably both remember times when we were six or seven where we fell and skinned our knee and we ran into being mm-hmm. comforted by a, our mother or, or our dad. And their job was was to deal with our little emotions because they knew that our skinned knee was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But their concern was the relational, the dealing with our little pain and our emotions. And I see a loving father as someone that wants to do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 God, when you bring your emotions to God, he's, he's not saying like, Oh, I don't have time for that. No, he's God is the best father. God is what every father should be. So you imagine what the best father, the best mother would be like when you bring your skin need to them. That's what God's like. Yeah. He's, he's opening his arms. He's welcoming you up on his lap. He's rubbing your back. I mean, yeah. he is, that is who he is. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll come back more with Kyle Davison Bear. His book is called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. He's got a really nice job of laying it out for all kinds of categories. And if you want to get in on the drawing to win one of Kyle's books, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'll say that again, 877 877- 933-2484. Just text the word book. B-O-O-K. That's it. And we'll get you in the drawing. Be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. What is going on today during the afternoon show with Bill Arnold? I'll tell you because I'm Bill Arnold, so I can do that. I have a Kyle Davison Bear in studio with me. He's written a book called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. He's done a nice job of laying the book out with different categories. We just went through foundations and now we're in divine communication. And we just finished mm-hmm. how to pray your emotions. He has some five great tips for us. So if you missed any of it, I recommend going to the podcast. You can check it out, myfaithradio.com. Carl, do you have anything more to add to how to pray your emotions or should we go to how to hear the voice of God? I think let's go to how to hear the voice of God. Let's do it. Yeah, so the first reality of hearing the voice of God is just knowing that God speaks. We have a very, uh, 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 we have a God who loves words and he loves to give words. We have scriptures filled with records of his voice, just packed with pages of endless divine speech. God speaks and he's not stopped speaking. I mean, many people question whether God is still speaking to the church today, whether that was something uh, just back for Bible times, but uh, look through the book of Acts. You know, that's the book about God launching the church, about, you know, the life of the church, about uh, the church growing. And in every single chapter, I went through and I paid attention, every single chapter, the Spirit of God is speaking, directing, leading, guiding, giving visions. He is continually at work with his church and in a variety of different ways. I mean, sometimes it's clear speech, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it doesn't even tell you how he influences, it just tells you that he does. But the point is that, yeah, God is still communicating. But many people ask then, okay, if God's communicating, how do I know whether the voice I'm hearing is God or not? And so in this page, you know, again, the the vision of this book is that each page gives you two minutes of really practical, helpful material so that in two minutes you've got something you can really work with on this topic. And so on this topic, how to hear the voice of God, I give you four simple tests and it works with anything, whether you think you're hearing an audible voice, whether it's like thoughts popping into your mind, whether you got a friend who says they hear from God, you know, whatever the situation is and you need to test that voice, these four simple tests from scripture will help you figure that out. The first test is that we identify the voice of God by comparing it to scripture because God does not lie and he does not go back on his word. Everything he said in the Bible is true. God will never speak anything contrary to what he's already said. So if you hear a voice or somebody else is hearing a voice or you're, you're trying to find leading and guidance, or you're wondering whether this person, this teacher is speaking of God, compare what they're saying to what God has already said. If they say anything that's disagreeing with the clear teaching of the Bible, then that voice is not from God. God's voice will always speak biblical truth, and those who are speaking for God will delight in biblical truth and will not be trying to speak against it. That's the first test. And of course, the more you know the scriptures, the more you'll be able to do that. The second test is that we identify the voice of God by its power. Because God speaks and things happen. You read through the Bible, God's voice always is accomplishing things. Yeah. And you see that in your life. You see that in somebody else's life. That's a key to identifying whether this really is God. Um, see what the effects of that voice are. If you've got a friend who says they started hearing from God, watch their life. If they become, you know, more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kindness, you know, good, that's really good evidence that, yeah, that's the spirit of God because it's having the effect of growing the, the fruit of the spirit in their life. But if you've got a friend who says they're hearing from God and they become more selfish and more inward focused and 
you know, they're not caring about you so much. Now they're caring about themselves and they don't have time for you. It, like, okay, that's evidence that maybe that's not the spirit of God because the fruit that's coming into their life from that voice is the opposite of, of what God says he does. So pay attention for the power of the voice of God. You know, and I've, I've dealt with people, you know, in the counseling office, dealt with addicts who have heard the voice of God and it's broken their addiction, you know, whether it's to alcohol or to whatever it was. And again, that's really good evidence. If, if, they, if you hear a voice and it's breaking the hold of sin in your life, really good evidence that's God. That's test two. Yeah, Kyle, I just want to bring this up because we would be the envy of first century Christians because we have the entire revealed word of God. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm hearing God speak to me, I'm getting it through God's sacred word. Yeah. Or I might be having a brother or sister in Christ saying, based on what the Bible teaches, I think this might be instructive for you. Yeah. And I'd go, oh, I think you're right. No, there's a little light bulb that goes off. Mm -hmm. But whenever I hear people hearing audible voices from God I, I, maybe I'm just a little uncomfortable or I don't know yeah. quite what to do with that or, mm-hmm. wow, that's cool. It's never happened to me, but, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, where you are with that. Yeah, well, that's, I wrote this book to, because like you say, there's a wide swath of Christianity. There are some Christians very comfortable with the idea of hearing God's audible voice. And there are some Christians who run for the hills whenever they hear someone talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to encounter situations in your life where you, you're asking that question, is this God? Is that the voice of God? And so I wrote this you know, topic to apply to whatever of those situations you find yourself in. Yeah. Because again, no matter what your question is, again, the voice of God is always going to be uh, matching up with scripture. It's always going to have power that leads you toward God, toward the things of God, toward looking like the character of God. And then again, the third test is if, you know, if there's a voice or you're wondering if this person is speaking for God, look at who is being glorified. Mm-hmm. That's the third test. Look at who is being glorified because the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus and the Father. And if you question whether a voice you're hearing is from God, test who it glorifies. Yeah. Demons refuse to give God glory, but the Holy Spirit delights to do it. Mm-hmm. And same with anybody who claims to speak about God. If they really are from God, just watch how often they are glorifying the Father, Son, and Spirit. If they love pointing to God, that's really good evidence. But if they're always pointing to themselves or their own work and you realize they're not really talking about God that much, again, that might be a sign that uh, something's off here. Mm-hmm. I heard a, a pastor, a teacher on television once, this was years ago, and he was saying that he had heard the audible voice from God and he was starting to say what God had told him. And as he kept talking about it, he got to the point where he said, he said some other things that I just can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, 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 hang on a second. The God of the universe was speaking to you in an audible voice and you've, you can't remember what he said. You know, to me, it's, it seems like it, it's, it can be very emotionally driven. Mm-hmm. There can be a lot of that. Yeah. And okay. like you say, there's a lot of people who want to hear the voice of God. There's a lot of people, I mean, our imaginations are very powerful things. There's a lot of people who can you can want something enough that you essentially imagine it happening. Yeah. But again, these tests will come right through that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just fa- saying I'm very honoring of people who say they hear God's yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. You know, does it make me a little uncomfortable? Yeah. I'm a little uncomfortable if I have to try to dance at a wedding reception. I don't <laughs> want to do that. 
Interesting. Now I want to see you try to dance. Oh, no, you don't. I don't do any kind of dancing that involves my body moving. That's... Yeah. Uh, that's pretty all-encompassing. There you yeah, go. let's leave it at that. All right. Well, the last test here for identifying the voice of God, again, whether you think... If you think you're hearing an audible voice or somebody else is, whatever the case is, and you need to figure out if this really is God or not, test four, identify the voice of God by asking it who Jesus is. Yes. John 4, 2 says this, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so I had a person in my office and just, you know, a wonderful person, you know, a great member of the church body, just, you know, a delightful person, but was hearing these voices and didn't know what they were, where they're coming from. Is it just your own imagination or whatnot? So I just brought out that verse. I read it and I had this person test the voice, you know, ask this voice right now. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh from God? They asked. And as soon as they did, the voice just shut up. Yeah. I've heard that too. And it, it, it's amazing. The the voice just stopped speaking. It couldn't say yes to that so it just stopped talking mm-hmm. and I just told her based on this verse you know it's pretty clear evidence that was a demon that was not the voice of God that you were hearing and it wasn't even your imagination you, this person got very uh, embarrassed and almost red faced when it happened because they didn't expect it to happen yeah and it just it was pretty clear evidence from the scriptures that yeah that was a voice you were hearing but no that was not the voice of God yeah and Kyle we should probably say that person was being tormented by this demon not inhabited by this demon right right and again, as soon as we asked the question, the voice didn't talk anymore. Yeah. It was just done. It was rendered null and void. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, how to hear the voice of God. Should we move on to um, creating healthy relationships? Oh, yes. I love this one. I do too. This look, It's going to be a good one. I've got Kyle Davison Bear in my studio, and we're talking about his book, Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. We've got five copies, so if you want to get in on the drawing, text the word book, 877-933-2484. I'll say that again. 877-933-2484. Just the word book. That's it. All right, Kyle. All right. Creating healthy relationships. Let's dig in. Yeah. I do a lot of uh, pastoral counseling in the area of, you know, premarital counseling or, you know, helping couples who are married work through things. So this desire for healthy relationships is everybody wants a healthy relationship, but it's amazing how many people don't know how to get there or don't even know how to tell whether the relationship they're in is healthy. And so this, this page helps people figure that out. Just There are three main categories. The first is the heart of love, what real love is, and it's esteeming the other person higher than yourself. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. And it doesn't mean that other people are more important. No, it's that word esteem. Consider, esteem, treat other people as though they are more important than yourselves. In God's eyes, we're all the same level of importance. But if you want to know what love looks like, I mean, it looks like Jesus on the cross. In that moment, he esteemed us above himself. Now, clearly he is God and we are not. Clearly he is you know, higher than we are. But in that moment on the cross, he esteemed us above himself because he died the death we deserved to die. And that's why the cross is the greatest example of love because Jesus esteemed us above himself. Mm-hmm. So take that into your relationship. In a toxic relationship, you know, you hear narcissism, you hear, you know, borderline personality, you hear, you know, all these terms thrown about, but the essence of all toxic relationships is selfish ambition and empty pride. So selfish ambition is seeking your own desires more than anyone else's. 
it's the opposite of esteeming somebody above yourself. It's expecting them to esteem you above themselves. And then empty pride is uh, just expecting other people to serve you instead of you serving them. They're, they exist to serve you. You don't exist for them. And it, it's those two attitudes, selfish ambition, empty pride, that just poison relationships. And often that can be mistaken for confidence and it can be mistaken for something attractive because the person can appear confident. They walk through life with their head held high just expecting that they're better than others and others are there to serve them. At a glance, it can look like confidence. But when it reveals its ugly head that it's really selfishness, that that person is considering themselves above everyone else, it's just going to poison any relationship with someone with that attitude. Real, loving relationships treat people the way Jesus treats us because he considered us more important than himself. Mm-hmm. So Kyle, uh, Kyle Davison Bear is my guest, and his book is called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. If you just joined us, we've got five copies to give out, so you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. And this, this book is, a, is put together nicely, and it's got, he says, battle-forged and crisis-tested mm-hmm. issues. And under the relationships category... This is, you know, this every one of these is something I want to talk to you about, but we don't mm-hmm. have time. But let me just go through the list quickly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we've got a category for creating healthy relationships, which we just talked about, discussing emotional topics, dealing with enemies, listening so people feel heard, apologizing, forgiving others, forgiving yourself, healing a broken relationship, uh, how to talk about politics and religion, getting along when you can't agree, dealing with offense, helping the hurting, losing a loved one who knows Christ, losing a loved one apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. I know we've heard that many times of people who are in despair because they've lost a loved one and they they died without confidence that they knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Maybe um, after the break. That sounds good. Yeah, I think that's important. Kyle's got five copies of his book to give out. Get in on the drawing. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Kyle Davison Bear is my guest, and it doesn't, it's not spelled B-E-A-R like you would normally think of bear. It's B-A-I-R. Like the word air with the B in front of it. Like the word air with the B in front of it. So Kyle... Um, let's get back to relationships because what about when you're, you're losing, when you've lost a loved one apart from Christ, that gets to be a yeah painful, difficult conversation. Oh, it is. Um, yeah, this is one of the things I've, uh, I've often had people in my counseling office dealing with that thought of losing someone, someone in your life has died and they did not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, there's two things that I really want to emphasize to people. The first is that If your loved one died without knowing Christ, do not give up hope. And this is why. Our hope is in a Savior, a person, Jesus Christ, who controls the key to life and death. 
So we're not hoping in fate. We're not hoping in karma. We're not hoping in a balance of good deeds against bad deeds. We hope in the God who defeated death. And I promise you, Jesus loves your loved one even more than you do. Jesus desires a relationship with that person far more than you can imagine. So based on the depths of God's love, remain confident of this. Jesus is working to save your loved one even up to the very last second. I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of sitting uh, on the side of someone's deathbed, you know, watching them have a conversation with Jesus as they're dying. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can only hear their side of it, but it's, it's a real conversation. It's lucid. It's coherent. You know, and, and that tells me Jesus is right there in that room working with that person right up until the very end. Mm-hmm. And there is so much going on that we do not get to see. But this should give us hope. And Jesus is working. You know, this is not just something you have to trust to chance or fate. This is a person, Jesus, the Savior, who is working to save as much as he can. Therefore, if you have any hope of seeing your loved one again, it's in Jesus. If you're ever to see them again, Jesus will be the one bringing you together. Now, to be sure, hell is real. Jesus talks about it a lot. We cannot ignore that. And many people definitely will end up in hell. That's real. But our Savior is equally real. And so in Jesus, you can hope. And then the last thing I tell the people is to avoid deception. Because I've heard people say, you know, out of a desire to see their loved ones again, some people, I've heard people say that I want to go to hell because that's where my loved one is. Mm -hmm. I've heard that idea many times. But hell is a place of separation and agony. It is not a place of reunion. No one in hell ever wants their loved one to share that fate. In Luke 16, you get to hear from someone who is in hell, and his only desire is, keep my brothers away from here. Don't let my loved ones experience what I'm experiencing. The only possible reunion you have with your loved ones exists in the arms of Jesus. He may yet have saved that person on their deathbed, even when it seemed impossible. You know, if they're... If they were, you know, comatose lying on the deathbed for a few days when they weren't interacting with you, maybe they were interacting with him. Yeah. There's so much going on that we do not see. So but true. Jesus is the savior. His desire is to save. So hope in that. God loves to do what seems impossible to us. So if you've lost a loved one and you don't know if they knew Christ, hope for your reunion in Jesus. I promise you, he treasures that person you love far more than you do, and he wants them saved far more than you do, and he was working for that salvation up until the very last moment. And Kyle, I always think that God is loving, and God is the judge, and God will always do what's right. Exactly. I can trust that. Yeah. I can trust that. He is the only judge we can trust to always get it right. Mm -hmm. He knows everything, every detail, every person. He will always do what's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Kyle Davison Bear is my guest. His book is Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. It's almost like a reference book. You can look through fulfilling your purpose or relationships or strongholds or foundations, and you can go, ooh, this is exactly the topic that I'm dealing with with my friend or loved one. And you've got a couple of pages to get uh, in a position where you can be effective in understanding and and coming alongside someone and, and caring for them in a, in a tangible way. Yeah. So, Kyle, under the... Uh, area of strongholds, I know loneliness in particular has been a mm-hmm. stronghold for a lot of people, especially since COVID. Yes. And I don't think just because COVID is cleared up, the loneliness has. Right. Yeah. Everyone feels lonely from time to time, but for some of us, loneliness feels like a prison and it feels like you just, no matter what you do, you cannot break out of it. 
But, again, we serve a God who loves to set captives free. And so this page has four tips for how to break out of loneliness. The first one is a bit surprising, but it's read the Bible every day because it's far more powerful than you realize. Uh, The Center for Biblical Engagement discovered that when a person reads the Bible at least four days a week, their feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. So if you're feeling lonely and you want that loneliness to diminish, get out your Bible. Read it daily like this has something to give you, like read it to get something out of it. And just that act will begin diminishing your loneliness because you're not just reading the book. God is with us every moment. If we ignore his words, it'll feel like he's distant even when he's close. But when we open our ears to his words, when we draw near to him, when we're studying his word, that's when we can start to sense his presence again. His presence can be felt as you're reading the Bible and your loneliness can start to go away that way. That's the first tip. Read your Bible. The second tip, think of three people you can reach out to. We live in an age of abundant technology. You can write letters, you can pick up the phone, you can email, you can do video calls, there's social media. But don't just do it in scattershot. Pick three people you can reach out to and connect with them and do it today. Pick three people you can connect with today. They could be old friends, they could be family, they could be strangers. Um, It could be a new person at church, it could be the neighbor down the hall who just moved in. But just connect, pick three people, connect with them today and just see what happens. The third tip is think of three relationships that are not as healthy as you want them to be and reconnect. Again, see what happens. I'm not promising all three of those will be transformed, but one of them might, and that'll make all the difference. Because often we feel lonely because the relationships we had in the past are strained or broken or are faded away. One of the best cures for loneliness is reaching out to these people and attempting to repair the relationship. And sometimes that takes work. Sometimes... You have to do some work to rebuild the relationship, but sometimes it's as simple as saying, I'm sorry, and just asking if you could talk and connect again. Mm -hmm. Even if you make progress in only one of these three relationships, it will feel wonderful. The loneliness will go away. It will feel great to have this relationship back. Then the last one, tip four, specifically thank God for three things in your life that you appreciate from someone. Gratitude overwhelms sadness. So when we thank God for the people that he has given us a chance to love, it refocuses our minds. Instead of looking at the lack, it refocuses us to what we've been given and the good that we've gotten from it. And giving God the gratitude for that, it builds hope. It builds hope that this can come again because the same God who gave us those relationships we loved in the past can bring relationships in the future. And those are the four quick tips I give people to fight loneliness. It's something practical. Read your Bible every day. Think of three new people you can reach out to. Try to reconnect with three relationships that are strained. And then thank God specifically for the good you've enjoyed from the people in your lives. You do those things and you will watch loneliness. All right, Kyle. We just got a couple minutes left. Maybe we could talk about setting your eyes on things above. Oh, yes. One of my faves. Mm Mm-hmm. Kyle Davison Bear is my guest, and he's got five copies of his book, Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. A lot of people want to get in on the drawing, and I suggest you do as well. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. We've got Dr. Ian Paul coming up in the next hour. We're going to talk parables from our Sunburton series. It was one of those discussions I had that was so good, I want you to hear it again. All right, Kyle, what about that? What about just um, setting your mind on things above? 
Yeah, this comes straight out of Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Because where you focus your eyes determines what you see. It seems obvious, but where you focus your eyes determines what you see. So set your eyes on things above. I like that. And here's just a quick example. If you set your eyes on earthly things, on the things down here, it's really easy to see people as other. The other side of the political aisle, the other sports team, you know, the, the, the opposition to this idea that I'm putting forward, just the other. You can see people as divisioned. You can see them as your enemy as opposed to you. That's looking through earthly eyes. But you set your eyes on things above. You see a God who dearly loves that person as much as he loves you. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that person isn't an other. Suddenly that person is someone like you. There's someone God loves the same way God loves you. There's someone God values the same way God values you. And as soon as you see that, you realize that person's not an enemy to be destroyed. That person's a child of God to be loved. They, if they don't know God yet, to tell them about him and about how much he loves them. You set your eyes on things above and how God sees that person, it can break you out of that trap of seeing people as other. Mm-hmm. Kyle, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's been a delight having you and seeing you once again. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, Kyle Davison Bear has been my guest. And this book is Battle Forged and Crisis Tested. It's called Quick Help, Immediate Solutions for Life's Challenges. Get in on the drawing. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. After a break, we're going to hear from Dr. Ian Paul all the way over from the UK. We're going to talk parables. We'll be right back with Hour 2. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.